Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Aries, the founder and CEO of Bossed Up. Today's best of Bossed Up episode is one of my favorites that I constantly am pointing folks to who are considering quitting their jobs, especially without anything else lined up. I know that can feel like such a scary, intense proposition, but the thing I love about this episode is that Maggie Germano, who's our expert guest today, shares how she went from a full-time nonprofit advocate to quitting her safe paycheck-driven job to start her own business. And she calls herself not a natural entrepreneur because she's a very risk-averse person. She's a very fiscally conservative person who wanted to make sure that she wasn't taking any undue risks. And so I can relate to that. I think a lot of us can relate to that. So whether you're just stuck in a toxic job and looking for your way out or considering launching your own business someday, today's episode is really going to help you get clear on what you need to think about and how you can process and how you can really come up with a clear plan to make that kind of a leap without betting the farm, so to speak, without taking on too much risk. So stay tuned for today's episode. It is a great one. And for those of you who are considering entering the job search, especially in the new year, you're going to want to make sure that you are fully prepared to negotiate your salary, your next job offer, or if you're considering making a move internally, like seeking a promotion or making a lateral move within your organization, it's also an opportunity to ask for a raise. We as women have a duty to help close the gender wage gap using every tool in our toolbox, including the skill of negotiation. Now, most people get a little sweaty palmed when I start talking about negotiation because talking turkey and driving a hard bargain freaks a lot of people out. But I am a total negotiation nerd. I love the art and performance of negotiation because there's so much psychology behind it that you can leverage to your advantage. If you want to learn everything I know about mastering the art of negotiation. I'm hosting a live workshop online on January 22nd, where we will dive deep into an interactive two plus hour workshop where you can get your questions answered in real time. And you'll walk away not only with the ability to rewatch that recording at any point in time and, you know, preparing or cramming for your next negotiation, but also with a keepsake personalized uh, workbook that you'll be able to work through in real time and break down and have lots to reference in terms of scripts and 
reminders and best practices that you can refer to for years to come. Now, scholar Linda Babcock found that when you negotiate your salary, even just attempting to negotiate your salary on average yields a 7% return on that investment. In other words, your negotiation could yield a 7% salary bump. And that's if you only negotiate your salary once more in your entire career. So just imagine what you could do with a 7% pay bump, maybe once, maybe twice, maybe 10 more times over the course of your career if you really put the art of negotiation to work for you. Register now to join me for this intimate online workshop because space is limited and we want to make this the most impactful opportunity as possible for you. Head to bossedup.org slash negotiation live to register now and reserve your spot. All right, y'all buckle up because this best of boss episode is coming your way now with guest Maggie Germano, who's going to talk all about when is it time to quit? And we're ready to dive into this week's listener-submitted career conundrum. Take a listen. My name is Rose. I'm calling from Connecticut. My question is, how do you know when to leave your current job? Um, I've been working on my current job since 26, July 2016. I started freelancing. I came full-time. I'll be full-time in a month. However, I'm... Realizing as much as I like what I do, I don't like the company I work for. I don't like the parent company I work for. And it's constant struggle to do what I like in a company that has made my job a little bit harder. And I think I'm ready to move on to something else, a different company, the same industry. But I don't really know how to do that or the steps to go in making this possible. So, advice would be really great. Emily, I think you're great. You're great advice and stuff I've told you. So, hopefully you can help. Thanks. Have a good night. Rose, this is such a great question. It's really two questions that you're asking. You're asking, when is it time to quit a job? And second of all, how do I start to make that kind of a transition? When I was thinking of someone I know who has very publicly, in many ways, quit her job and done so in a thoughtful, reasonable, very patience-requiring kind of way, I knew I had to bring in my friend, personal finance expert, Maggie Germano, to come in and talk to us about how you decided, Maggie, to quit your job and what Rose can learn from that process. So Maggie, you are the founder and CEO of MaggieGermano.com, where you help people really own their power when it comes to financial independence, financial advice. But you weren't always in this business, were you? So I've always kind of considered myself a personal finance nerd. It's something I've really enjoyed learning about, reading about. I signed up for a lot of newsletters about money uh, and really in the way that we personally deal with money. And so I would offer support to friends and family as they needed it. And as I was getting involved with women's groups here in D.C., I was meeting so many women who were struggling with their money, whether it was student debt, credit card debt, not knowing how to manage a budget or generally just feeling really anxious about their money, out of control, and also so much shame. That was a huge piece of it. I really realized that these money issues were holding women back from living the lives that they really wanted to live. They couldn't make empowered choices. They couldn't go after the things they really wanted to do because they were so overwhelmed or in debt. And so... 
I started offering support kind of on a one-off basis to women as I was meeting them. Like, hey, I'll sit down with you. We'll make a budget that works for you. Hey, I'll sit down. Let's make a plan for you to pay off your credit card. Or even just acting as a soundboard for people because people really struggle to talk about money, especially women, I think. We get really stuck in this idea, well, I've always been this way, so it will always be this way. And I think that is super strong around money, too. Or it's like, well, I guess I've always been in debt or I've always been bad with money, so there's no way I can change that. And through the one-on-one coaching, I realized they really can start making those mindset shifts and start paying off their debt, building up their savings, quitting their crappy job and getting a better one, going off on their own, whatever it is. It's so much more possible when you feel empowered to actually do it. I love that. It's such a good reminder that big life choices like leaving people who aren't good for you or leaving jobs that aren't good for you are so tied to financial stability and financial power. And so I want to uncover a little bit about how you pivoted and know, Rose, that you know, pivots look slightly different for entrepreneurs, but we're going to talk about career pivots and quitting your job, whether you're looking for another job in the same industry or a totally different career trajectory or striking out on your own as you did, Maggie. So tell us about how you decided to quit and what that required of you. Yeah. So actually I decided years ago that I wanted to quit my job and I didn't actually quit until December, this past December. So it's only been two months But I I just knew kind of like what Rose was saying. I was not happy at the company that I was at. Um, I had been there for years. They do really good work. I was passionate about the issues they worked on, but I wasn't passionate about my day-to-day activity and the impact that I was making. It really didn't feel like I was making an impact. And I knew that as a passionate person who's always gone after the things that I care about, that I couldn't stay in a situation that I really wasn't getting any of that passion from. Um, So I decided years ago I wanted to quit, but then it took me a really long to actually do it. And part of that reason was because I didn't know really what I wanted to do instead. And so to kind of figure that out, one of the things I did was go to Boss Up Boot Camp. Uh, <laughs> Highly recommended. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> um, and because I really, I was lost. I didn't know what I was passionate about. I didn't know what I was good at. I kind of felt like I didn't have skills. I, maybe I should just keep this job because I'm at least getting promoted and, you know, making good money. Yeah. Um, and so I got involved in Boss Up and a few other women's organizations here because I knew that I was passionate about women's um, empowerment, women's independence, but I didn't really know how to translate that to a career. I think so many people find that we have to rationalize our desire to quit. You can almost hear it in Rose's question. She's saying, here's all the reasons why I should quit. Like, tell me I can, right? And for you, it's not that you didn't believe in the things that your organization was doing. So did it take you a long time to feel validated in your desire for something different? Oh, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Uh, Especially since I had been at the organization for seven years and I had had one other job before that, but very briefly. And so that was kind of an identity of mine. Like, Mm. this is the work that I'm doing. This is what I came to D.C. to do. And I think that there is that idea that if you've been doing something for a certain period of time, that's what you're supposed to be doing and that it's irresponsible to leave. Or um, like with Rose, she's been at this organization for a year and a half. Maybe it feels too soon to leave. Maybe she feels grateful to have this job that she's now going to be full time at. Sometimes the only excuse you need to leave a job is that you're not happy there. There's something called the status quo bias. We as human beings just 
are biased towards keeping things the way they are. And I, I like this quote from Morris Strong that comes up at Bostep Boot Camp that goes, inertia is a powerful force in human and political affairs. And it's true. An object in motion stays in motion. When you're at a job, the expectation is that you will continue to be there. And it's ironic, right? Because you've either been there for too long or too short to quit. You're either too successful on that career path to quit or not successful enough to quit. It's like other people will always give you a good reason why you should stay. But if you're unhappy, you have to listen to that part of you and get analytical and get critical about what is making you unhappy about this. And I think that whenever we can get real about our power, especially financial power, and get real about what kinds of choices you really have, it's not selfish to want more. It's not ridiculous or millennial or entitled to say, I want to pursue a career that makes me happy. So what did that look like from a money perspective, if you don't mind getting real with us? Because I'm sure it's scary to walk away from a job you've been in for seven years that you were doing well in, you were getting promoted in, you were getting that steady paycheck, especially to pivot into entrepreneurship. Yeah. And I also had amazing benefits at that organization, like better than pretty much anyone I know. And so that was really hard to leave. And and I was very tempted to lean back on that excuse. Um, but I knew that they're just I just couldn't keep going that way because I had been unhappy for so long and I didn't want to continue it. So my first step financially was to start my business while I was still working. Um, So once I decided I wanted to become a financial coach for women and really use uh, money to empower other women, I started my website. I started doing one-on-one coaching and doing events and those sorts of things, but continuing to bring in that extra paycheck or or that that actual paycheck. (laughs) (laughs) Remember, now it feels like an extra paycheck. Back in the day, the side hustle was the extra. (laughs) Exactly. And I didn't spend any of the money I was making with my business. I was just just putting it all either back into the business or just putting it into savings for the business. So now I have a savings cushion for my business now that I'm full time. Taking the two years to really build up my business before quitting my job and stashing all of the savings from my paycheck that I could was really, really important to me. I'm very risk averse. And so just quitting without a plan was just not in the cards. And also my fiance, I don't think he would have been super comfortable with me just being like, you know what, I'm just going to quit. You can just pay for everything. Um. (laughs) Well, it's such a good reminder that career pivoting and, and quitting a job that's not right for you can be done in a lot of different ways. I would argue if it's a toxic environment where you are being mentally harmed on a daily basis or physically, God forbid, harmed on a daily basis, then get the hell out, right? As as fast as you can while still remaining safe. Um, But it doesn't sound like that level of unhappiness was true for you. I, I like to think about burnout actually as not always being due to overwork, but sometimes due to a lack of purpose-driven work. So you weren't necessarily in a toxic workplace, right? But you wanted to pursue your passions and make that a full-time pursuit eventually. Once you'd started the business on the side, did you immediately start to feel a little happier or more stressed out because you were working more? 
I think initially I felt a lot happier because I could I had something to look forward to at the end of the day or even in the middle of the day. I would take clients at lunch or I would take clients in right after work. And so and those client sessions actually really energized me. And so I'd be exhausted from work and then have a client and then be like, oh, my God, like I feel so much better. This is so much fun. So in the beginning, it was really, really great and it made me a lot happier. And I had something that I could focus on during the workday, even though I probably should have been (laughs) doing my actual job. Um, But I could write my blogs or do research and those sorts of things during my ample downtime. Uh, As someone who helps people pivot careers, I've heard a thing or two about maybe job hunting while on the job (laughs) that you need to leave, which, you know, it's all about managing perception, y'all. It's all about making sure you're, you're watching out for yourself. Do you feel like preparing to quit in Rose's situation is different in any major ways from preparing financially for that kind of risk as an entrepreneur? Hmm. Yeah, I do. I think, well, and and again, it depends on on how bad her situation is. It didn't sound like it was a toxic situation to sound like things were getting a little difficult and she wasn't enjoying it anymore and wanted to leave. So I think she has a little time and she can do some research Mm -hmm. and tap her networks because it sounds like she wants to stay in that industry and just find a different company to work for in that same area of work. And so asking around, tapping some mentors, talking to friends in that same industry and seeing what her opportunities are and if they have advice for making a transition, because I think being gainfully employed while you're searching is a very privileged position to be in. Even if it feels frustrating and stressful, it's still like you can work and make that money and find out your other options and find exciting new opportunities. And I know for anyone out there who's listening to this conversation, who's currently searching for your next job while working at your current job, it doesn't feel like a very privileged position. It feels like double trouble, right? It feels like a real tough balancing act. How much better off is Rose to collect that paycheck and allow her current employer to basically finance her job search. Or if you're pivoting to a side hustle or pivoting to starting your own business, you know, her current employer could be seen as her funder for making her startup possible. Like from a personal finance perspective, how important do you feel it is to have a a padding or a sense of savings? And how do people begin to make that happen when they're thinking about quitting their job? I think it's really important to have an emergency savings account um, because that is specifically for paying your rent and paying your bills, paying your student loans, anything that you can't skip without getting in big trouble. You need to have that money set aside for you in case of emergency. If you lost your job or if you just couldn't take it anymore one day and quit your job on the spot, that you could pay your rent for a couple months or even just one month while you're job searching. So I think that's incredibly important. And that is one of the things that you can start building up while you're job searching and you're still getting your paycheck. And just cutting down on your spending for a month or two while you're searching so that you can stash some money away if possible just will really get you in a more comfortable position if you need it. Totally. I think of it as short-term pain, long-term gain. I also think it's important for us to make explicit that for a lot of us women, uh, especially women who I work with who are perfectionistic and type A and overachieving, 
Maybe we're not happy with our current workplace situation because giving 100% every single day in and day out in an organization that doesn't seem to really value us or doesn't seem to make clear a path forward for our career to progress is exhausting and draining. And I'm here to say, is it possible to give 80% to that employer and spend 20% of your effort and energy on you and on your job search or on your business? You described doing just that by really getting energized by, by the business that you were starting while working full time. Did it ever feel like you felt guilty? Did you ever feel like you had to get permission from someone to take your foot off the gas pedal at your day job? I don't think I felt very guilty. Maybe I had been there too long and I was so jaded that I didn't (laughs) feel like they were giving me enough work that would take up my time and my brain space and all of that. So it was like, well, I'm getting my work done. Um, I might as well do things on the side too. (laughs) Although I think towards the end when I was getting a little overwhelmed with working full-time and growing the business on the side and buying a house and getting engaged. Just (laughs) lots of life life stuff going on. Yeah. I did start kind of feeling myself slipping a little bit at work, and I was worried that people would notice. No one ever did, and I got really good performance reviews anyway, and I was just like, oh, okay, I guess I'm... Isn't that funny? Yeah. So it was interesting. But yeah, I don't think I ever really felt guilty. It was more just worrying that I would get caught. And I think we have to keep in mind, sometimes we have to prioritize making our future prospective employer happy over making our current employer happy, which is a scary thing to do because it is risky. But It's hard to give your job search the attention and energy it needs or your startup the energy and attention it needs if you're pouring 100% of yourself into a job that doesn't fulfill you or doesn't meet you halfway. Um, What about those who are just getting by? What if Rose's employment situation, and we don't know every detail in Rose's situation, but what if the job she's working at is frustrating her because it's just not paying her enough? She's looking for her next job to actually be able to succeed financially, to be able to more than make ends meet. And saving is really hard. How can she start making a career transition possible when she's just struggling to pay down debt and get by anyway? That's a really great question. And I hear that a lot, especially from people working in the nonprofit sector. There's just not that much money left over to actually save. So I guess I would say prioritizing the job search and prioritizing finding jobs that you're interested in that will pay you better. Because yeah. <laughs> I think especially, and I, I'm not sure what industry Rose is in, but especially people working in nonprofit or public service, they think that they shouldn't earn more, that it, that's just the way it is. And like, I'm just doing something that's better for the world. And so this is just how it is. You just don't make a lot of money in this. And that's just I don't accept that. (laughs) Same. So, you know, look around. Well, first of all, figure out what it is you want to be earning and what would make you the most comfortable and happy based on your expenses and your long-term goals and the things that you want to do. That's not selfish to think about that either. And so identify that for yourself and then start looking for the positions that will pay you that way. 
And then start practicing with your friends and your mentors about how you can negotiate for those things because imposter syndrome is real and it's scary, especially if you don't have a lot of experience with it. So totally. And just for those who aren't familiar, imposter syndrome is this psychological phenomenon, right, that affects men and women, but appears more often in women that makes you feel like a fraud at work, makes you feel unworthy, makes you question whether you have the capacity to do whatever it is that you're doing. I used to feel that way. Like at any point in time, someone was going to find out that I'd been hired and it was some kind of clerical error. (laughs) And yeah, you're totally on point about the nonprofit industry. I call that whole uh, catch-22 way of thinking the martyrdom mindset, this idea that we must sacrifice ourselves to do the work we want to do. And if we believe that truly, then we're going to act in ways that reinforce that belief. So it's important to push back on that. Um, and I'm glad to hear that you're helping women do that. Do I recall correctly, you wrote a piece for the blog and it's on Bossed Up's blog too, about how to figure out what kind of a salary number would work best for you, right? What are some of the top line tips that you have for our readers? I'll make sure to put those links in the show notes as well. Um, but for those who don't have time necessarily to read every point, how, how would they go about calculating that kind of goal salary? Well, I think just getting really clear on, well, first of all, what your actual current expenses are, because a lot of people aren't necessarily paying attention to that down to the dollar. So just knowing what it is that you have to spend money on and then how much you typically spend on other things. So your discretionary spending around dining, uh, going to concerts, whatever it is you like to do. Uh, getting a handle on that, so having that the base for the fixed costs and the flex costs, and then getting really clear on the things that you really truly do want for yourself in the future, which I think a lot of us don't necessarily think we deserve or, oh, you know, in 20 years I'll be able to go on that amazing vacation or buy the house, whatever it is. Getting really clear on those things that you really want to experience and have in your life and then kind of calculating how much money you need to make in order to make that happen. So if you want to go on a vacation every year, how much do you need to get paid in order to make that happen? Or if you want to have a certain amount of savings in the bank at the end of the year, how much money do you need to make beyond what you're currently making So getting really clear on you and what you deserve, what you want, and putting that into number form and asking for it. Hell yeah. I love that. And you know I'm a negotiation freak. So for those who want more on negotiation and the job search, trust me, we've got more episodes coming out on that topic very soon. But in the meantime, you can check out all the free resources we have available on the Bossed Up blog. And Rose, I realize you asked two big questions. We really answered, I think, the first one about quitting and know that we have a lot of resources on how to start the job search process. But quick last fire round question for you, Maggie. What are the first few steps that you think Rose should take to really kickstart her job search now? Yeah. So the number one thing is to get clear on what it is about your organization you don't like so that you can identify other organizations that won't be that way. Because I think the worst thing would be to leave your job that you don't like and going to a new place that's the same way and with the same problems that you're experiencing. So 
make a list, get clear on the things you don't like about your company and why it's making your life more difficult. And then try to identify other organizations that are not like that. Um, and ask around, too, at, at those other organizations. Talk to people that work there. Make sure that you actually know what things are like there because yeah. things on the outside might not actually be what they actually are like in the inside. I think that is such a good reminder that you need to be interviewing the companies that are interviewing you, too. It's not just about a desperate flee to the next employer. It's about making sure the next employer is going to treat you better. And so do your due diligence, right? Really do your homework and research the companies that you're considering pivoting to. I also want to just clarify for Rose's sake that there is no magic number of how long you have to stay at an employer before pivoting. Sometimes I get questions from folks who ask, have I stayed long enough? It's only been a few months or it's been a few years or it's been a seven year stint. You know, how much is too much or too little time spent and how can I explain this on my resume? My answer is always craft your story. Um, make sure that when you're interviewing for your next employer, you can paint a clear picture as to what you're hoping for next to explain why you're leaving where you are now. And you don't want to get too bogged down in the drama of the past. You want to stay focused on the future. But as long as you can make a clear case for why you're leaving, there's no magic number of how many months you have to stay in a workplace that's not working for you. You know, it, it's all about having the confidence and belief in yourself that you can make that pivot with a compelling story. Maggie, thank you so much for joining us today and helping me unpack this great question from Rose. Where can our listeners catch up with you? So you can go to my blog at maggiegermano.com. So I also have options for working with me on one-on-one coaching and my Money Circle group, which meets in person once a month here in D.C. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Maggie Germano and on Facebook at Maggie Germano Coaching. Awesome, Maggie. We'll make sure to include those links in the show notes. And as always, listeners, keep in mind that part of being a boss is being the boss of your own budget. So do what you have to do to work with bosses like Maggie or get the support that you need to get your personal finance on lock so that quitting a job that's not working for you is an easy choice to make. And now it's time for this week's Boss Move Moment of the Week. Today's Boss Move of the Week comes in from the Boss Dub Courage community on Facebook, which has been called the best place on Facebook. So if you haven't joined us there already, make sure you do so by clicking in the link in today's show notes. And I want to give a special shout out to Allie. Allie said this is her Boss Move of the Year. She wrote, I started 2019 at a bridge job. I had recently left a toxic work environment led by an even more toxic boss. My bridge job was a step back, but a step back onto the right track. Yes, I could not have put it better. I feel like that's such a vulnerable choice to make. So thanks for naming that and sharing that. So important. At my bridge job, I was able to take discounted graphic design classes. I got to the point where I felt confident enough to start sharing my services with others. I LLC'd up and really went for it. After advertising my graphic design services on a neighborhood message board, I was contacted by the CTO of a creative agency. He said they were looking for someone with project coordination and design experience. While he wasn't looking for my design services, he did want to offer me an interview. Fast forward to this month, I'm now a lead account project manager at a creative agency with a great pay bump. I have flexibility and work that I enjoy, and I'm also still trucking along with my little LLC, gaining new clients here and there. A year ago, I felt so hopeless, and taking a step back felt so scary. 
but the trial was worth it because it got me exactly where I wanted to be. I am so thankful for Emily's words of wisdom on the podcast. Thanks, boss. I absolutely never thought I would own my own business or be where I am right now. I'm more confident than ever and excited for the future. Here's to what's next. Allie, I am so proud of you, boss. This is exactly like a case study in what a bridge job is all about. So congratulations. Way to end the year on such a boss move. I am so proud of you. And thank you for taking the moment to share your come up story. You really never know how many folks you inspire when you dare to share your own story. If you've got a boss move of the year that you want featured on the podcast, call it in now to the Bossed Up podcast hotline at 910-668-BOSS or 2677. That's all we got for y'all today. Thanks so much for tuning in, for listening, for sharing today's episode if it inspired you and for taking a moment now to review the Bossed Up podcast in Apple Podcasts. Your little star reviews and your words of encouragement keep us going here at Bossed Up and they really do help our podcast get discovered by others. Until next time, keep Boston in pursuit of your purpose and together we'll lift as we climb. <laughs>